0: God and Other Delicacies has a weekly newsletter. If you'd like to subscribe, email me at godsdelicateshow at gmail.com and I'll put you on the list. Hello, everyone. Welcome to God and Other Delicacies. I'm Nicholas D'Augusto. Thank you all for being here. Today, I have the privilege of welcoming Hallie Rosenberg to the show. Hallie is a prototypical entertainment industry multi-hyphenate. She started acting at age four in plays, industrials, and short films, and transitioned that love of stage and storytelling into a career in media of all varieties. She's worked as a producer, writer, SEO strategist, and most recently completed eight years as a talent executive at an agency where she auditioned, cast, and trained thousands of people a year for roles representing Fortune 500 companies. I met Hallie as a part of this gaggle of USC friends I was fortunate to get to know, but when I found out what her religious background was, hot damn, I knew I had to get her in the studio. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Hallie! Hello! (laughs) How you doing?
1: Uh, I'm good. It's always <laughs> so funny when you hear people talk about you. Like, you're just like, oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. She sounds good.
0: <laughs> yeah, right? I've actually, somebody else has said that on their show. They're like, oh, oh, yeah, I, uh, I I feel better about what I've accomplished yeah. in my life. Oh,
1: okay. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for this validation. <laughs> you should feel good. You should feel
0: good. I had a lot of fun things to say about you. Um, I've had a lot of support from people. Uh, getting the show started, but Hallie was one of my first friends that was really particularly interested about this subject, and I really appreciated your enthusiasm for it. And so you've been a fun supporter uh, of mine in this as I've gotten started, and it's fun to have you into the show and kind of get where you're coming from on this whole subject, so that you can, so that I can start to learn more about why you care so much about it, and certainly your background, which is that of you have a parent that was raised. In Quaker, or she chose. I was raised Quaker. You were raised Quaker. She chose it at some yes. point. Okay. Well, we, I'm excited to get into that because I've never, you know, had never met anyone that was from the Quaker faith. Most and, people haven't. Yeah. Well, I was <laughs> looking it up. There's like like a few hundred thousand of you yeah. in the entire country. Okay. So uh, so let's dive in. What did you have for breakfast this morning?
1: It's funny because I realized I know from listening to the show that you were going to ask me, and so I, but I forgot, and then I was doing it. And I was like, ah. Oh. Well, I had. A very savory breakfast. Okay. I had, you ate a,
0: like a, a fucking Burger King burger or something.
1: No. No, no, no. But I had uh, like a s- fried rice with cabbage and a fried egg.
0: Oh, that's great. I love that. Like was, leftover I mean, Thai was, food. It
1: was old from, you know, it was something I made yesterday, but oh, okay. reheated. And it was, here's the thing. I love cabbage.
0: <laughs> that is, I'm not sure I've heard anyone say that. Like I like cabbage fine. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say they... But it's kind of this is great. Why do you like cabbage so much? Like, what do you know. I love think it's about cabbage? It's such cabbage? an underdog.
1: It's really you it's, only
0: love it for for its underdog stay. No, that can't possibly be right. No, what what are the qualities of a cabbage that make it specifically <laughs> awesome? Talk to me about it. It's hard, right? It's it, one. It's one thing is that it's more robust of a leaf.
1: But it really, when you cook it down, I think. I mean, if you ever had like mushu anything, right? Mm-hmm. That's mostly cabbage. Mm-hmm. And it's, I can't believe I'm talking about cabbage podcast, <laughs> but it's its crunchy, but it's sweet. It's, it's really- sweet,
0: okay, yeah. I'll pay more attention to that.
1: And it's really, I'm talking about like the white cabbage, yeah. but even onion cabbage. Uh, and so it has a good texture. It's, I don't know, it takes on flavor really nicely.
0: Okay, that makes sense.
1: But it's also very filling. Yeah. Yeah, and because you
0: know it's like it's not heavy in the water that a leaf lettuce is like the like water like leaf lettuce is very watery and it wilts really quickly. Mm. i have become a big fan of kale. Huge kale fan, but kale has a dominant flavor to it.
1: Mm-hmm. So when
0: you have a lot of you can't just like sneak that into something. No. And kale the texture
1: is, is not as nice. The yeah. texture is you, you like know, the texture for kale. Of, like, What'd you say? You gotta work for kale. That's
0: true, but I like that. Mm. But but you a discrepancy. I think we're actually but
1: something about your personality. Sure, though.
0: I love kale. I'm happy to talk about it. We have kale plants in the yard. Um... All right, good. We got cabbage done. That's good. <laughs> okay, so you had um, leftover fried. I love uh, leftover Asian-style cuis- mm-hmm. cuisines in the morning.
1: Um, Savory. Yeah, over, yeah soups, over. hot
0: soups and stuff, mm, like yeah. pho and stuff like that. You can put a lot sure. of, like, spicy oh, stuff that'd in there. That would be a dream.
1: If, if I had someone that could prepare me, like, a Japanese breakfast every morning, because I don't want to actually cook fish myself in the morning. It's just a little too much. But if someone were to prepare that for me, oh. woo. That, that would be the life, man. All right.
0: Well, we'll tell Chet <laughs> about what he should be doing for your next birthday. Um, all right. How and when were you introduced to the idea of God in your life?
1: I I mean, I think very early on, I was going... My, my mom went to a Quaker meeting, and we lived in Santa Monica. I was, I'm one of the rare people that was actually born in Los Angeles. Mm. So oh, we right.
0: Were, oh, God. Great.
1: We were living in Santa Monica, and there's a pretty decent size for Quakerism, uh, Quaker meeting there. And so I would go, I mean, I, ever since I can remember...
0: And like, to be clear, sorry, just for yeah. not only myself, but for listeners, a meeting is sort of what, what a Catholic would call a mass or... you know, A, a it's, church, actually. A, it's, it a meeting be, is an actual... Is, a meeting refers a meeting to the house, structure?
1: Yeah, a meeting or, house is like your church.
0: So when you say it's a meeting, it In, actually it, refers to the structure, not just the actual meeting time. Yeah, you like, meet
1: in a meeting, but like you go to meeting.
0: Oh, you go to meeting. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the same way that we go to church or that Correct. we I was raised to go to church, you go to yeah. meeting.
1: Why don't I actually just give a little brief yeah, please. explanation because I feel like most people when they hear Quaker, they think Shaker or Amish.
0: That's and, right. And
1: uh, I That's what I thought originally. Right. Most people do. They're like, "Oh my gosh, do you believe in electricity?" And like clearly. <laughs> right. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> so Quakers are a sect of Christianity that I guess really came into its own in, like, the 1600s, like the 17th century. They didn't like the idea of all the pomp and circumstance of the Catholic Church or Christianity. They believe that there is God within every living person and every living thing. And if you're quiet enough, you can hear God within you, Mm. as opposed to having someone or man, tell you what God is saying. And it's, you know, there's a lot of other intricacies, but that is the founding thing of Quaker, the belief of Quakerism. And so they gather in meetings together in silence. So they really value silence, but they also value community. And so you gather, you sit together in silence for an hour now, I guess it's Back in the day it was a, a full, hour. full hour no one's
0: no one's no, like leading anything. Do, no one
1: leads but if you feel that God is giving you a, a very significant message you stand up you share the message you sit back down and then someone else can speak but it's never like in like in secession like you definitely have to give that some air it's not a conversation essentially and sometimes people speak, Saying like you know what you what this person said spoke to me and they'll say something, or it'll be a completely different thought.
0: Wow, right. So it's just right. Someone can take a moment, let that sit. It's not does never becomes any sort of argument or debate or anything. But that impulse lets someone else respond in a way, mm-hmm. either affirmation or a different turn on it, or it's just somebody else five minutes later says something Has else. Meditated
1: on something else. Yeah. And so it can be really interesting. I mean, I think the idea is that you don't speak directly after someone because you need to have some time to kind of meditate on it. And it's funny. Which is
0: absolutely true if you want to actually feel like you're hearing it. So that's great. That seems nice.
1: And it's funny because you said there's never any arguments. So the other, another big. (laughs) The other thing is
0: everyone boxes at the end of a meeting. Well,
1: Quakers are (laughs) pacifists. Right, right, right. So they, they really, (laughs) they really don't. Uh, box. And um, yeah, so it's interesting, like as a Quaker, you can't be drafted to war. So a lot of quick, there, there was an influx of Quakers apparently in the 60s. During oh, the I war. wonder why. <laughs> wow.
0: No, that makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. So you straight up, they've like, you could just say I'm a Quaker and I, the government recognizes that if that's on their identifying report.
1: I believe so. I mean, I've never registered wow. for that sort of thing, but I think if you, when you check off your... um your religion I think that's part of it or it used to be I mean we don't have a draft anymore but I right. think that that was a way for you to get out of going to the draft that you were a conscientious objector because you were a Quaker yeah I think well anyway. and, and and I don't want to
0: derail so please don't lose <laughs> yeah. your thought here but I this connects with something that um Ken Haynes who was on the show previously was talking about his father Ken is a generation older than us and so his father is two generations older than us and fought in World War II and he is a sev- his father was a Seventh Day Adventist they are also conscientious objectors but back then in World War II that just meant you didn't have to carry a gun you had to be oh, in, in the medical field so okay. he still came home with PTSD and all oh, that geez. stuff from being someone that was like thrust at 18 into being a medic like taught to be a medic and sent off. So that, that it's also just interesting me, to me that I'm hearing stories about the evolution of being a conscientious objector like mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know in the 60s and 70s a conscientious objector meant you actually didn't have to set foot on the battlefield at all. I think I mean, don't quote No, me. I think that's true. Yeah. I'm just saying uh, from what I'm understanding I think that's true. Anyway, I just find that fascinating that that that's another part of this evolution of what military and war and this type of religious Interplay between that stuff is okay. So they're pacifists, and right. so they don't argue, and so there's how have Quakers? Can you okay? Do you want to say anything more about the foundation of what kind of Quakerism is? Uh,
1: I mean, I think I've, I essentially you're sitting in a meeting. Meetings there are meetings throughout the United States. They're in a lot of. They're in Canada, England. I mean, it was started in England. I was just reading doing some research for this but the most amount of quaker meetings are actually in africa now which wow. i thought was really interesting and not a fact i knew about quakers cool sure anywhere
0: in particular africa i
1: didn't get the didn't yeah, get yeah, more yeah, cool. specific than yeah. that i was like all yeah. right got it uh and that now there's and i didn't even know this that there's actually two kinds of quaker meetings now there's a programmed quaker meeting which would be more of like a, re- a religious service as you would know it like as a as a catholic or a christian where someone's actually speaking to you which i just can't believe because to me that's kind of takes away everything of, from what my relationship to quakerism was was really about being quiet and listening and listening to yourself and to what others are saying and and seeing it you know seeing the god in other people but Interesting, interesting to learn.
0: Those are the people that came over. They were a bunch of Catholics who came over in the 60s, wanted to be conscientious objectors, and were like, this is is too quiet, I need some songs, so we're going to be the singing Quakers who don't have to go to war. That's what happened (laughs) there. Um,
1: Quakers love a potluck. There's a lot of potlucks. Oh, yeah?
0: Are the potlucks quiet?
1: No, you can no. talk about. You can lunch. talk about like after. I after know, meeting, I'm just joking. <laughs> at the rise of meeting, you can do whatever you at want. At the
0: rise of meeting, is mm-hmm. that that's the phrase? So like, mm-hmm. does someone say at the end? Does some who's keeping time?
1: Yeah. So there's apparently back in the day, it was the elders, whoever they were. But in my experience, there was a clerk of every meeting, and that was what would be considered like the preacher, but they're not preaching. And people took turns. My mom was the clerk of our meeting for a little while. And that person, the way that, the way that meetings end is that that person turns to the person next to them and shakes their hand and wishes them good morning. And then everyone does that. And then meeting's over.
0: Wow. All right. Yeah. So you go in.
1: You go in silently. Is the, do,
0: do you go in silently, mm-hmm. and the clerk is already there. Yeah,
1: and you like sit meditating down.
0: silently. Yeah, you say. So kind probably of, the clerk's job is to be the first one there that is there, kind of opening the doors, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know if the clerk is there meditating silently, that the, the meeting is on.
1: Yeah, and it's not like it's not like there is Zed Master where you can't interrupt them. Like they're sitting there, and you know they'll say hello, but it's you're not having a conversation. Right, when you walk
0: Right, in. right, right. And then everyone just kind of slowly sits, and and mm-hmm. people maybe straggle in late yeah. or whatever, and and then at the end the clerk gets up and and um, and shakes
1: the person next to them, and then can. that's
0: ripples. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then is there are there Quaker reflection talks and discussions later?
1: That's interesting. I'm. It's been a while, honestly, since I've been. So I do remember. At the rise of meeting, the clerk standing up and sometimes saying one or two things in conjunction with what had been spoken about Okay. throughout the meeting. Because there are, sometimes there's themes that sort of go. They arise. Yeah. Uh,
0: somehow. It's in the air around mm-hmm. us and a couple people respond to it in an impulse reaction. In the moment, mm-hmm. they, they, make, they stand up and make their statement. And then afterwards, there's a re- maybe somebody is inspired to have a reflection.
1: Yes. Uh, only really the clerk would speak at that point. But then... And then it kind of opened, how I remember it, would open to community announcements and things like that. And when I was a child, I would go to Sunday school. There was a Sunday school for kids because it's a lot to ask a child to sit in silence for an hour. Sure. But you would be brought in the last 10 minutes. And so you would sit in silence for 10 minutes. Oh, cool. um, and then you would join everyone in, you know, after meeting, et cetera. But, for the potluck. Yeah. I, just, I mean, the food. I was always there for the food. Oh, for sure. Everyone's always there for the food. That's Not where, enough that's cabbage. The whole, not enough. Copy that. Oh,
0: if it was break time, if it was ready for the break, I would have just gone out right there. I'm not ready to go out yet. But um, that's really cool. Uh, okay, so give me a little history about uh, how your family found it.
1: Well, it was really my mother. My dad is, or my dad was Jewish.
0: Your dad is passed now. Yes.
1: But he was bar mitzvahed and he was a Jew. I mean, my last name is Rosenberg. Right. So my dad never went to Quaker meeting with us that I can remember. Maybe for oh, he holidays. Oh, he never participated. No. Okay. It was just a thing my mom did and I did with her. My mom was very into the raising a child of multiple faiths. So we did, much to like my father's kind of Not chagrin, but just kind of apathy. (laughs) Like he really, I don't think, cared that much about it. But she made sure we always did Hanukkah and, you know, really like Passover and and just was making sure that I was still identifying with that religion as well. Not, I wasn't bat mitzvahed. I wasn't, I didn't go to temple with my father, but just we celebrated the holidays and kind of culturally appreciated my duties.
0: Did you have siblings? No. No. Um, did, you, did your parents meet in Los Angeles? They did. Where's your father from originally?
1: Uh, Long Island.
0: Okay. And your mother's from here, or no?
1: My mom was born in Chicago, but raised in Whittier
0: for okay. most
1: of her life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, we moved around a lot. We did end up back east for a while. So the meeting that I have the most amount of memories of was the Quaker meeting in Stamford, Connecticut that my mom went to, well, we both went to.
0: What years were you there? Uh,
1: 1990 through when I went, 1998.
0: Wow, so you were living in Connecticut for those years?
1: Mm-hmm. middle school and high school, yeah.
0: Wow, so you, you were born and raised in Los Angeles, yeah. and then for my dad got your a father's job. job. Yeah,
1: my dad got a job, and What so did he do? What? What did he do? Oh, he worked for HBO. International. Oh, so he was in the business. HBO. Yeah. Okay. Whenever you go to a foreign country now, that was because of my dad.
0: Really? Yeah. So he was part of the. He was part of the kind of groundbreaking of what HBO Mm
1: -hmm. became. Yep.
0: Wow. Wow. All right. Well, I want to hear more about that. But um, so you're so you're in Connecticut for those pretty formative eight years.
1: Yeah. And then uh, the second I could make a decision about what I want to do, I was like, bye, winter, <laughs> going back to California. Yeah. Well, I just always knew I was going to do something in entertainment. At the time, I thought I was going to act. Of course, I'd been acting my whole life. I was like, obviously, now I'll just make a lot more money doing it. Yeah. Well, then I, you know, <laughs> didn't happen quite. I Also, like, I'm super tall. I mean, this is a podcast. You can't see it, but I'm six foot two. And life is a lot harder when you're six foot two as an actress, yeah. Than if you're just trying. to Than if you're be six foot
0: two as a as a dude, because I'm six foot two. Right. Um. So you did your was your mother in the business as well?
1: My mom was a was has always written. When my parents met, actually, they were both film editors, and my mom was editing some National Geographic stuff and. Uh, that was when my dad was still trying to pursue more creative endeavors and so it's kind of interesting how their relationship kind of flip-flopped and when he met her she was like the accomplished editor and she was bringing him on to certain uh, small films and stuff that she and her friends were doing she'd gone to film school she went to UCLA and then um, he got in I think he just realized that that wasn't going to pay the bills. And so he started doing cable consulting, whatever that means. It's just hmm. a word that's always been in my head. But like, that's so funny. he was consulting in the cable industry because that was still when cable was new. That was the like mid 80s. Right. And uh, we moved actually up to Pebble Beach for a while and, and lived up there. And he worked for this guy, Paul Kagan. And then uh, HBO, he applied, You know, he realized that he wanted more stability. And he got the job at HBO, and and we moved across country for that job.
0: Wow, wow, yeah. um, great, good place to take a pause, and then we're going to get back in, and I want to talk more specifically about what your spiritual experience was as you were growing in this faith and jumping back and forth across the country. Okay, we'll be <laughs> back with Hallie in a second. Hello, everyone. We're back with Hallie. Hallie, one thing I wanted to mention about the Quaker history stuff mm-hmm. in the first segment, and I forgot, was William Penn yes. is this famous Quaker, and he his name he's the namesake of Pennsylvania. He's the first governor of Pennsylvania, or he was the founder. He owned all he, the land.
1: Yeah, I think he owned <laughs> land because he had been persecuted in England, and he was given land as, uh, I forget the word, but like an um. A settlement, basically. Wow.
0: Oh, is that? Yeah. Is that and, what that was? And cool. then he founded
1: Pennsylvania, so there were a lot of Quakers that wow. were in Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's clear that they were very important at that time, in the early yeah, formation. Yeah, they were I... big
1: abolitionists. They, they really supported the abolitionist movement, which makes sense. Why would you believe in slaves if you believe that there's God in everyone?
0: Right, right.
1: And then the suffragette movement as well was something that, even before that just women's rights in general they because they were in meetings women could stand up and speak which was something very different than in other churches that men and women were looked at as equals which for the 17th century was or you know six, the 17th century was not something no, that it was incredibly <laughs> progressive in yeah. fact
0: in the very little bit of armchair research i did on this before i i saw that there were a couple of quaker women that were put to death uh, during those times for having stepped outside they I think the from what I remember it 's you know women that were empowered in their own communities took that empowerment out into their larger city community or state community, and yeah. then were met with like a lot of resistance, and some yeah. of those women were put to death for that
1: I just read a sort of good book called The Invention <laughs> of Wings and the lead characters in it are abolitionist sisters who became Quakers and I it's a it's historical fiction so they were real people and it was interesting cuz I never really read about anyone that was Quaker I really being a Quaker is almost at least for me it was sort of like being in a vacuum at, because I never I have in my life have never known a Quaker that's my age. Like I've never had a contemporary Quaker friend. Oh. <laughs> and I have never been able to really talk about it with someone that is not significantly older. Like my mom's gen- you know, generation or older. In our meeting house, there were a lot of people that were older. And then there were a few other younger kids. Like at the time, like five, six years old, but they weren't, once again, I was like 11, 12, 13 at that time that I was going. So
0: in your meetings, you were the only one in your in age, age bracket. Yeah. And there were not even that many below you. Mm-mm. Wow, fascinating. Yeah. So it was a kind of, it was something that, that a lot of these people that was attractive to being Quakers weren't having a lot of children? I mean, is that part of it too? I mean-
1: No, I think they were just older and- They'd already
0: raised their children. Mm-hmm. And they just weren't that many new generations coming Your mother's generation was already a low-level
1: mm-hmm.
0: generation of inductions into the faith.
1: I would, I, from what I've witnessed, yes. wow. And wow. then from there, I mean, there are some Quaker schools and things like that now, but I don't- I really, I don't know any practicing Quakers that are my age, and I think, honestly, that's why I was so jazzed about this, because I like talking about spirituality, I like talking about God, I like talking about whatever it is, whatever you believe. I love when people have a faith and they want to talk about it, as long as it's inclusive. What, you know, what turns me off is the people who can't see outside of their own faith, and this podcast is exactly the opposite of that. And yeah. so it was really cool. It was like, oh, this is this is the conversation I wanna have, but like you don't have very often.
0: I really appreciated that assessment. I appreciated that response. I mean, that's obviously what I wanted to do. And so I really, it's been meaningful to me to start to, having made this attempt, I've started to see people coming back to me, like you saying, hey, you know, you didn't know this, but I was wanting to have this conversation too. So oh. that is really cool.
1: I like your that you did some research. Oh, thank you uh, very and other much. fun Quaker facts: We've actually had two presidents that were Quakers.
0: Which presidents were Can Quakers? Can you guess?
1: Do you know it? Either? Well, so they
0: have to be early, is my guess. So they, I'm going to guess it's something like so they're. Um,
1: one is that will really surprise you.
0: One. So is that that says to, no? Wouldn't? Oh no! You're. It's like George Washington. No. No, I thought you were being sarcastic. Um, so. I mean, what is Thomas Jefferson a Quaker?
1: No, it was Hoover, which is to me, I don't know. A lot okay, so this Hoover. is
0: what you were, so this is what I was gonna say is that this was probably a modern one that. that There's a
1: more modern one.
0: The the Quaker presidents were, are like 20th century presidents?
1: Well,
0: yeah. Hold on, so then who's the other one? Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, why can't I think of Jimmy's, la- our president, Carter. Mm-mm. no but
1: very Quaker oh, yeah,
0: Lee I mean say. he was very he's I mean, he always raising peanuts right yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, okay no uh, so not Jimmy Carter uh, uh, I feel like no that's... no like Nixon yes Nixon was a Quaker yes oh fuck yeah that's great because he's a Californian and there's a lot of Quaker California you were saying there's all these Quaker Californians
1: uh, are there
0: well that's what you said earlier I mean isn't? There, like there are Quaker some meeting.
1: meetings there's like but then you were 10 like, of them you were
0: like <laughs> right we're like you. the way you said it I, it had to be something extraordinary. I was like, it's, you know, yes. I was, so I went early George Washington. Then I went, yeah. it's later? It's like, oh, so someone that the Quakers wouldn't probably want
1: yeah. to I mean, associate with it. It's surprising It's always been surprising. Certainly combative,
0: certainly a combative personality, right? I mean, I don't want to step into a political atmosphere here where you start saying like, um, because he was a Republican, that doesn't line up with being a thoughtful Progressive. Well, and I think know. it was
1: different then. And honestly, I don't know enough. I really wish I knew more about any of this, but I just, and it's, I, what now that I've learned that he actually wasn't impeached, that he stepped down before he was impeached, right? That to me is almost kind of Quakerly to just be like, okay, I hear that you, that, you know, I've been caught doing something wrong. I acknowledge it and I'm stepping down instead of like the chaos that we have today of someone who's definitely not a Quaker. And, You know, it's, it's, it, he ended it. When he was caught doing something wrong, he took the onus of it and, and stepped down and actually wasn't impeached, which my whole life I had always thought he was impeached. I did too,
0: yeah. Did you, so do you have any, is that just your like, analysis of the situation yes. or do you feel like ha- you have any sort of inkling from your mother or anybody um, else in the community how they spoke about Nixon no, at the time? I, yeah, or,
1: no, I've actually never talked about Nixon as a Quaker. Because that's a pretty
0: optimistic <laughs> positive spin is, on Nixon, is. right? The other thing is like, I'd rather not go to jail, so I'll just walk away or I'd rather not like suffer the infamy of this any right, longer. But like,
1: all everyone else has. Like, has there been yeah. another guy that's stepped down... Like that? I mean, it just, no. I just, i but you know, I'm just learning about all of this, yeah. so I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, no,
0: about. but listen, I don't know either, <laughs> and I like this assessment. What, what what I definitely like is hearing that Nixon was a Quaker. That's right? amazing to It's me. really... Um, okay, so now it's time to get into your personal journey. It seems like you're responding at a young age. The, the kind of little yes. bit what I'm getting from this is you 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 had a lovely saying about how you feel about just speaking about God in general, which must imply to me that, or which implies to me that you must have enjoyed the spiritual experience that you were given as a child and that you have some strong connection to it or at least had a strong connection to it.
1: Yeah, I think it's kind of a powerful thing to tell a child that God is within them and that they don't have to look to someone else for God and and that they can speak to God whenever they want and they can, they're just quiet enough. They might hear responses if they ask questions. So I think... I thought about God a significant amount as a child, and I think a lot of kids do, you know, like especially when you're taught right from wrong and you're thought of someone looking down on you or, you know, all of that. I didn't really have the looking down part, but it definitely felt a little bit more judgy than it does, that, you know, like it. it was like, oh, I have to do these things because of God, and I, but I also think that I just, kind of related to the world in a little bit of a different way because I'm lucky that I was taught that we were all kind of equal and it made me appreciate or maybe it was just my childhood but I I, I grew up really loving animals and loving nature and playing a lot by myself I was an only child and I did there was a lot of time of silence in my life and I had a he- a crazy imagination, which was why I was I loved acting, and it was hard though because I was pretty nerdy, and <laughs> I was very. My mom didn't want me to ever fight with people, so because she was such a a strong pacifist, I feel like I never was really taught how to stand up for myself, and I was, as we talked about, I'm very tall. And I got bullied a lot.
0: Were you very tall, very young? Yes, I've my been, sister was the same way. My yes. sister grew up very early. She was taller than me, and she's younger than me and and I know that was for her. yeah, really I've been problematic. I've been
1: ridiculously tall my entire life, yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> and right.
0: so you. Did you have impulses to push back at times, and then you were you you heard your mother's voice in your head? Is kind of what you're it saying. It wasn't
1: my mom's voice. It was truly, and I wish I could say, oh yes, no, it was because I I could see the God in them. No, it was that I was so I just didn't have the skills, and I didn't know. I had been kind of raised in this lovely little bubble, and my mom is a really you know she does see the good in everyone, and I it was hard because it was like, I didn't know how to be cruel back. Mm. And a like, confrontation is still really hard for me because it's just not something that was really, I wasn't raised. It's funny. Cause I, I do, I did learn to fight with my dad, my dad and I, especially in my later adolescence, like really would go at it. And I, I think it's helpful. I think you need to have some conflict in your life and you need to learn how to, to, and I, now I love a good argument, but an, an argument is different than bullying and all of that kind of stuff. But back to the, the God thing as a kid, like, I don't know about you, but like, I would talk to God as a kid. I, did I would too. I, I didn't... There was a time where I tried to pray every night, not really because... I don't know where I got that idea. My mom certainly wasn't telling me to pray. I did have... My grandparents on my mom's side were... Protestant, I think, um, and so I would go to church with them. So maybe I got the idea there. But I remember, like, I didn't. Ha- I didn't really know how to pray, so my prayer was just like, I, mean, I always wanted before I asked for anything for myself because that was what my prayer was, was really sure, just asking for.
0: Sure, sure, <laughs> sure. Early on, yeah. But
1: before that, I would pray for Mother Teresa to live to be a hundred.
0: Oh wow, that's nice.
1: Once again, like look, the thing you cared about
0: Mother Teresa, really and you thought did. it was a good thing for her to be alive. I That's, really, that I thought she was nice. a really good lady. <laughs> she was doing good things. <laughs> she was. Christopher Hitchens has a beef with Mother Teresa, which I can't. I'm not an authority to speak on him, but if anybody's interested in actually having someone rip on Mother Teresa, yeah, you they know, you can listen to Christopher Hitchens rip on Mother Teresa. It's pretty wild. You know, no one was spared the wrath of Christopher Hitchens. But so, you identified as a Quaker.
1: Yes. Yeah, you so, identify as a
0: child, you identified with this experience at that I, you were experiencing as a Quaker more than your Jewish
1: I was I would always tell people I was half Jewish, half Quaker. Oh you did? Okay. Yep. But I the older I got, like the more I realized that like to be actually Jewish, like your mom is supposed to be Jewish and Sure. You're you know,
0: technically like, not Jewish. Right.
1: I did not, I was not Vadmets, so I stopped saying that I would say like middle school and above, but as a kid, I had, I I thought that was a really cool thing. We also were living, like I said, in Pebble Beach at the time, and Pebble Beach was a very... Insular community. I was one of two Jewish kids in the school and I was only half Jewish. Oh wow. Wow. Um there was one black kid in my elementary. Probably the only
0: half Quaker in the school, too. (laughs)
1: Yes, yes. But no one (laughs) even knew it. Like I didn't even think to tell people that I was a Quaker. And I really relished kind of being different at that age. Like I loved it. Um another thing about Quakers is you don't pledge to inanimate objects. All of this was told to me, so I could be, you know, whatever. But if you were a Quaker and you are put like you're a you're put on trial or you're gonna go testify in a court, I wouldn't put my hand on the Bible and swear. I would just you would just have my word because my word is as good as putting my hand on a Bible.
0: I mean, are you talking about Pledge of Allegiance too? Like to the yes. flag? So you, you wouldn't do the Pledge of Allegiance? I
1: would sit during the Pledge of Allegiance. Wow. And it's really interesting because it's like I thought I was so cool. And now it's like it's kind of horrifying to think about. And it's not that I'm not patriotic because I am. I love my country, but I do think it's weird how we all stop for sporting events and take our, you know, and 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 sing and pledge and do all this stuff. I I, I it it does still feel a little weird to me because I don't think everyone's actually thinking about what they're doing when they're doing it.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's probably true. I mean, I'm certainly I don't know, I think nowadays I'm I'm aware of what's going on when we sing God Bless America, certainly, or you sing the National Anthem.
1: And there's times I'm like brought to tears by the National sure, Anthem. Sure, like, like, but it's that, conflicting. I want to be very clear. Like, it's not at all that I'm anti these things. It just is weird to me that we have children stand up every day and say the Pledge of Allegiance. And just like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how that...
0: Well, it's... it's um, I can't come up with a more thoughtful, more slightly optimistic word than the word indoctrinated, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is what we are doing when we're brought up in a faith or brought up in your country, there's an indoctrination. And so there's, it doesn't necessarily have to be negative. It has a kind of negative connotation from my point of view, the word indoctrination, because you 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 think of that in a kind of psychological terms Mm -hmm. that it's difficult to break out of to recognize that you actually don't have to be affiliated with this thing that has been ingrained in you. Well,
1: and I feel like you don't have to indoctrinate to effect. I don't feel like I was indoctrinated at all. Like I feel like it was really – I was kind of given loose parameters and and no one was ever really sitting with me being like, so Hallie, let's really talk about what you're praying about or what you're thinking about. It was more of just like "Here's some things to think about go off and think about them and and I did I lived with someone who was a very good example at least for me like of what a quaker was and and how to kind of you know I was seeing other really interesting people there were some people in our in our second meeting there was one that was a holocaust survivor you oh, know wow. so it was it was you're meeting people that are Quakers are usually Quakers by choice very few people are born into quakerism and I feel like so you're meeting people that are really making a conscientious choice and and they're having interesting conversations and even only hearing 10 minutes of it, you know, little snippets here and there. And then it was just interesting for me to witness. And I was able to make my own decisions without kind of being able to be told. And I think that we don't give kids enough credit. I feel like kids don't have to say the Pledge of Allegiance every day to love their country. You know, like, I think we could have more conscientious conversations with them and do more. It doesn't all have to be rote because I think when it's rote, they're not actually thinking about what they're saying. But if we could figure out a way to engage them in what we care about. And I know as parents, you think about that, of course, all the time.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And as someone who was raised in the Catholic faith to very devout and loving and faithful parents as a child, I experienced that faith in a really strong way. And then I had to go through a period of of thinking about it on my own. And, and, and for me, my experience of it as, as a younger man was, uh, it was challenging to, to start to understand that I was allowed to ask questions. I could allow myself to ask questions and think more broadly um, and question more broadly about these things. Um, because if you're not thinking openly about it at a young age or, or given a lot of space to question There can be feelings of guilt and there can be feelings of um, shame and there can be feelings of fear and insecurity that I'm leaving something that was a safe space for me and now I'm I'm choosing to not be in that safe space. So that's one of the, the conversations I love having on this show is that how do we create places that are faithful and true and honest and sincere and also allow for places For this kind of questioning, and it seems like something you're saying is that you felt like that was relatively well achieved in your. To some extent, it seems like what you're saying is that you you experienced that you experienced a faithful, loving, God-oriented childhood upbringing that also allowed for openness and your own independent thought.
1: Yes, I, I would. I would totally agree with that. And just yeah, I never had a moment where I had to reject my belief or my belief in God. Like I feel that I've definitely had periods of my life where I think I've kind of forgotten about God or I wasn't as mindful. But I think once again, you know, like you go through your 20s and even your 30s. I mean, today, in today's day and age, you have your phone and you were so distracted. It's very easy to not think about the bigger spiritual like you it's very easy to not think about spirituality period or the bigger sense of like the life force that is you know governing us all and all this but i i think that the older you get you probably think about it more it seems like i've I've noticed the conversations that people have it, it comes with maturity and impending death and all mm-hmm. that
0: sure but or certainly death close to you
1: yeah right I, I don't know so i i i feel fortunate that i didn't have that but it, i honestly i miss it i miss going to meeting but i don't want to go to meeting oh
0: interesting because
1: Why? when i go to meetings now they're different than how i remember them and this is very unquickly <laughs> to mm-hmm. say i don't always like the people that are there mm. well and it feels weird i have so like I was raised by a Quaker, but also a Jew. And so I have a really like low tolerance for bullshit. Ha.
0: (laughs) That's funny. So I
1: go and like you say one weird thing and I'm out. Like I'm just like, I feel weird. You know, like I just, I don't. I don't like it. It's
0: the danger of giving everybody. Well, this is like so you the can same. everyone on the
1: floor. Well, yeah, this is
0: this this is the thing about like at a wedding, you should never let everybody just get up and get it to the microphone, right? Yeah. Because they're hammered and they just want to say something loving, but it goes on for twenty minutes. Like this is the thing that you're you're allowing in this space mm-hmm. is the empowerment of each individual, but then also what's happening is is you're allowing someone to tell you something about God in that moment when you're just trying to have your own God moment, kind of.
1: Or even just about themselves. A lot of people, I sometimes think, just speak to hear themselves speak. Sure. and
0: I think that's universal.
1: I can tell you, I think I've spoken in quicker Meeting like three times in my entire life. Do you
0: remember any things that you were thinking about at the time?
1: I remember one time... I talked about my mom. It was in conjunction with Mother's Day. So I think I was just trying to be a really good child. (laughs) But at (laughs) the same time, like I felt like, you know, I was thinking about wanting. I mean, there is there was the impulse to honor my mother and publicly and I knew it would mean a lot to her. And but it was scary. And I was a kid that was performing everywhere. You know, like I was literally on stage most weeks of my life and speaking in Quaker meeting was really really scary to me sure sure and
0: well is the difference of talking specifically about something that's you know being an actor certainly as I've gotten older and I'll be honest you know that was um I had my own fears about starting this podcast because I end up saying things at least a little bit every show where I'm like a little nervous as I say them out loud because somebody close to me might Somebody that I love might not agree with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is still dangerous to me as emotionally. But I've been an actor in front of people my whole life. It has nothing to do with that. It's about being an actor is not yourself. It's no. you, you're you putting on something else. Aspects of yourself, certainly. Your yeah. body, certainly. You know, you're putting yourself out there. But it's not your thoughts and your... You can always say, well, these are just the lines. This is just what we're talking about. Here's the character. Right. But now we're talking openly about ourselves and about a subject that... Can ruffle feathers and be divisive if people take it the wrong way.
1: Well, and I think it's also when you're I certainly don't think every thought I have is a, a thought of God. You know, like it's definitely sure, no hard <laughs> to know when you're like, it's one of oh, the things this... I didn't like
0: about being Catholic is I was like, I can't be punished all the time for thinking about like, you know, Playboy. Like <laughs> Give me a break. Like, I can't, I'm not going to think, if I think about Playboy, I'm not going to be like, God fucking hates me right now. Like, I can't live like that.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so
0: I'm not saying that you were thinking about Playboy, but what I'm saying is is that you were... Okay, cool. Anyway, (laughs) go
1: on. No, I just, I feel like it's hard to know when that message is that strong. And so basically you're only supposed to speak when you're compelled, when you really think that the message is so strong that God is compelling you to speak. I don't know if God's ever compelled me to speak. I don't know.
0: Right, I, right. It's, I never... What's your name for that feeling? Why did I speak? Right, you know?
1: exactly. Like, what is that thing that is, you know, too much to, it has to come out. I don't, I I don't know if I've ever felt that. And I certainly, as a kid, that was really scary. Um, but interesting to still, like, have that as a practice that I'd had.
0: Sure. A, cool as an opportunity that was open to you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you took it a few times.
1: I, yeah. Um,
0: yeah, do you remember another did one? I, what? Do you want to talk about another one that you remember?
1: No, I don't actually remember anything else. I really, maybe there's only that one time. <laughs> I don't, it was always, also the thing is you never know if someone else is going to stand up at the same time. <laughs> so yeah. like there's a chance, and there has been, I have seen that happen where two people stand up kind of at the same time and then one will sit down And so that's kind of a dance that happens in meetings too. And that I think, especially as a child, seemed very scary to me especially a child that was used to blocking. But
0: ha, ha, ha. You're like, you guys are off rhythm. Yeah. Like I was we like, got to start this over again. That entrance was that not was planned. was clearly awkward. <laughs> Who's starting? Oh, no, I don't think she was the one that was supposed to go first.
1: It was better in rehearsal.
0: You know what? This is a good place to take a break. I am looking down, and this was a lovely and long second segment. So let me take a, our final break, and then we're going to get right back into it. Okay. Okay, everybody, we're back. Our final segment with Hallie. Hallie, I wanted to get into a little bit more, touching on kind of two different threads. One is that you mentioned that as an adult you have grown away from practicing yes, as a Quaker. I,
1: yeah, I haven't been it in a long time. Yeah, you don't
0: have a practice of any other faith on nope. a regular basis. And another thing is obviously something that was referenced is that your dad died when you were in. You said you're in college right? No, or at no. the after college. No, so, no, I'm sorry. They got divorced when yeah, they were in college. No, my sorry. My dad
1: died like a year ago. That's
0: right. Oh, just a year ago.
1: Just a little bit over a year ago. Yeah.
0: God, Hallie, I'm sorry. I missed that. That's shocking to me actually, as I talked about shocking this. shocking
1: to me as well. Yeah.
0: Well, talk, you know, how did your father die?
1: He just died. There was no, I. I inclin- we, there was no, we, my dad was living in Costa Rica and so we i don't believe there was a autopsy done if it was done all the stuff was in spanish um he just dropped dead uh no way he either had a heart attack or a brain aneurysm
0: he re- he had retired down there yeah oh my god and so you so you had been kind of in regular contact with him oh
1: yeah i talked to him the day before um wow yeah we we were very very close and uh i uh, yeah, my, yeah. My my stepmother called me from his phone, and you know it was it was really awful.
0: Oh my yeah. God, Hallie, yeah. I'm so sorry. So you, um, okay. When when had he? <laughs> I'm just gonna do a little backstory. So mm-hmm. when had he remarried?
1: He had re technically only recently remarried, but he had been with my stepmother for a very long time. I'm gonna misquote this. I'm bad on years. I would say at least. 15 years?
0: Yeah, okay. So then how long had he been living out of the country?
1: Uh, a few. Yeah. They, had, they had moved, so they had bought a place in France, and then also, it's all very <laughs> convoluted. Um, but Allah, uh, my dad's uh, wife was, she's also now passed away. Um, oh, my
0: God. So she died shortly before him?
1: Six weeks after to the day. She had uh, cancer.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. It's been a rough year. Wow, Hallie. So this was something that your father was aware of, that you were aware yes. of, that she'd had cancer for how long?
1: She had had it for several years. Um, she, when she was diagnosed, though, it was stage four. Wow. um, So they diagnosed at stage four. Yeah, I'm sure part of what happened for my dad was the stress of watching the love of his life die. Wow. And uh, yeah, she died very... So when when my phone rang, I thought it was something with her. And then it was her screaming about my father. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable, Hallie. Yeah. What are the, what are the what happens in the coming days? Did you go down I to did. Costa Rica?
1: I went to I went to Costa Rica. My uncle went with me, which I'm forever grateful for. His um, brother, your father's yeah, brother, my dad's brother, and uh, I have two stepsisters, so they both came down. Or and uh, it was it was a my, no one thought my dad was going to die first, so.
0: Right. I mean, how could they at this so point?
1: So it was just a lot of trying to figure out how to do things. And everything's in a, you know, my Spanish is not great. My stepsisters are Venezuelan, so they're both fluent. So they, you know, they were able to help. And Alejandra was still alive at that point. But um, yeah, my dad's funeral was at a funeral home. Alejandra is
0: the, is, the, is, is, your is step, my was stepmother. Your stepmother.
1: Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, my dad was definitely. Like, his funeral was a very surreal experience. There was a handful of neighbors from where they lived um, that I'd never met. And that really only... Some of them spoke English, but most of them not really well. But, you know, were so complimentary and kind. And there was a big cross above my dad's uh, uh, open casket, which was also not what I expected. Wow. Um, Because that's a thing in Latin America. Yeah. That you look at the person. And... uh, But my uncle said some prayers some some Hebrew prayers and but also it's like who who cares you know like it's it's not it's not gonna change anything you know but it was just I'm just sad that we didn't get to have some sort of more I didn't get to have like a a proper funeral with people that I I knew or or that were you know long-term people that knew him but it's been interesting I, I had a I've had people reach out to me. My dad worked with a lot of people over the years and like two women that he worked with for many years wrote to me and one sent me pictures and, you know, wrote me memories. And now even on Facebook, cause I posted it on Facebook because I knew a lot of people didn't know about it. Mm. Um, to this day, I still get people that are like, Oh my God, I just saw that your dad passed away and I, you know, I loved him and this is how I knew him and blah, blah, blah. And that, is amazing. And I'm very, you know, it's, you never know really what to write back except thank you. And, uh, I really, I love having people. I I, I've appreciated that because it's kind of its own little memorial to him that kind of keeps giving at times when I'm not expecting it. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. just open up your messenger and there's a new thing, but, um,
0: it is, do you still,
1: I just got feel one the it other as, day. Do you feel guy. it
0: as giving still? Do you feel like is it a positive feeling or is yes. it is it you're still like warming to feel the yeah. love in that way?
1: And just the people didn't forget him, you yeah. know, like he he had quite a journey with his work and um, that's a whole nother podcast. But um, <laughs> so it's nice to to hear how many people's lives he impacted and and affected and mentored and that is, it's a gift to hear about because I think for me anyway, when my dad died, like I like talking about him. I'm not afraid to talk about his death. I'm not afraid to talk about him. It, it brings me comfort because it honors him, but it also like it, you know, like it keeps him alive a little bit, you know, like, so I, I'm one of those people I'm like, no, we can talk about it. We can talk, you know, because I think, you know, we're all going to die. <laughs> and but we all all we can ask for is to help people while we're here, to make a difference, to make changes, to affect people. You know, like we all are a part in this cog. So let's hope that when we're gone, people remember our cog <laughs> role as <laughs> helpful and good. And. um, Yeah.
0: Did your father think about, did he have any feelings about death? Did he ever talk, did you guys, do you remember any conversations where you talked about his faith or non-faith?
1: I don't think he believed in, I mean, Jews don't really believe in heaven and hell. I mean, they definitely believe in an afterlife, you know, like it's like, oh, they're together now, whatever, but there's no hell. Mm -hmm. Um, Jews have had it hard enough.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have heard that. that um, Another guest told me that they don't believe in hell.
1: Yeah. My dad wasn't. It's interesting. My dad wasn't very Jewish in that he didn't go to temple, but he still did have a few holidays. Like he would, um, fast and stuff like that. But no, the answer is no. I guess we didn't really have a lot of conversations that stuck with me about that. Uh, but I think he just believed in when you're dead, you're dead. You know, it's just like, you're kind of, you're just kind of gone.
0: Do you Um, think you took that along or what do you feel like? now having such an intense relationship to someone who's dead?
1: I don't think you're totally gone. I It's so interesting what happens in people's dreams and thoughts, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that is, but my stepsisters and I have talked a lot about the dreams we've had, and they're very vivid, and they're very real. And like when they tell me that, what they dreamed about, about their mother and my father, like, I can picture it. Like it's like mm. I I know exactly what, at least I think I do. Like of what they see, and it brings us all a lot of comfort. And my grandmother also is a very. My, I think my grandmother's a little clairvoyant. <laughs> my it's mm. it's really interesting. Um, Your father's mother. Yeah, she you know she has very vivid dreams, and so I think there's something to that. I don't, you know, like if we do believe that there's God in all of us, and we believe that. There's this life force, right? like there's whatever God is, like I don't think God is what we all kind of think it is, but it's like so there's this something in us that still stays somehow because a little bit of what my dad was is also in me, he made me right so so that's still alive, mm-hmm. and by talking, I don't know like it's it's a different kind of existence, but um. Yeah, I don't, I I don't believe, like, you know, people say to me, oh, he's looking down. Well, I mean, I love that idea. God, I love it. Mm. But I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. I, I hope that they're together again. And I hope that all of that, but I don't know if I actually believe that. I think it's a really comforting thought. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of religion is comfort. I do think that people, when you die, you're not just, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not just black for you. I I don't know what that means. I mm. think, but I I don't know. Like I think there's something to energy, mm. whatever that is.
0: Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, you know, a lot of this podcast for me is is I love hearing other people talk about it because I struggle so much with this stuff. I don't know. I'm still trying to identify what it is, articulate what it is that I feel. I've had definitely had experiences, as as people do you know, uh, that are heightened throughout my life that feel deeply impressionable to me and that there feels like some kernel of truth. I wouldn't feel, you know, their dreams or their visions or their just moments of clarity. And I've had dear friends of mine who've died and I've had dreams of them coming to me in my dream. And is that just my mind comforting me? because my mind knows exactly what I want, you know? (laughs) My mind knows exactly the story I want to tell myself, and so it tells it to myself while I'm sleeping. It could just be that, or it could be that it's something more... I don't know. I don't know if I need it to be anything more than that, to Mm -hmm. still be comforting. Um, I think... And comfort
1: is fine. Like, comfort is, is still... It's still something that's part of life, and it's still... That is still what... I don't know. It, it's fine. Yeah. It's, it doesn't right. have to be a bad thing. It right. It doesn't have to be an invention because aren't we all inventions? Like, isn't everything an invention? <laughs> right.
0: Well, life is a dream.
1: <laughs> yeah. And now we take the blue pill. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> well, that's really lovely, Hallie. I appreciate you sharing about that.
1: When my dad died, it was very sudden, right? So... And he spent his father died very young, um, or like a, I think it was sixty-three. So my dad basically, and his dad had died of a heart attack, and and it was, it was something that affected my his you know my father's whole family because my aunt was pretty young. I mean everyone was pretty young when this happened, and um, or six six anyway. I'm, I'm doing my math wrong. Sixty, excuse me, sixty in his early sixties, and um, my dad his whole life was very obsessed with health and fitness. He was extremely fit, he ate extremely healthy, wow. and he only outlived his father by five years. And that was something that had haunted him his whole life. And that really, honestly, in this last year hit me, and you talked about that I'm in a transitional period right now, but I was at a job that was a great job, and I'm very grateful for it, but after seeing these two very young, vibrant people die very, I mean, Alejandra isn't sudden, but it still is sudden and awful because she was in her fifties and just had so much more to give, but it makes you appreciate every day and that life is actually very short. And so suddenly I was like, okay, I, I feel like I've done this journey of this job and I want, there's so much more I want to do, and I don't want to keep just staying here because it's safe. I want to pursue some things because I I want to have, I want to have some tangible goals that I can say, at least I tried that, or at least I did this. It doesn't just have to be about, well, I was an executive at this company for 20 years. That, especially when it's not your company, it's not your exact passion. It's like, fuck, man, life's short. I'm going to try to make this TV show that I've I've been fantasizing about. And I'm going to try to finish that novel I was working on. And I'm going to, you know, just I'm trying to learn French. And, you know, Mm. like, it's just I don't know. I just I think, you know, and I know that part of that's just a probably a gut reaction. But. I wanted, I realized that I hadn't taken the time, I hadn't been quiet enough after my father's death. I, I mean, I I did take a little bit of time, but it was a one-two hit, like my dad Alejandra dying. Um, and then, you know, I took a little bit of time, but then I went back to work and my work was very stressful and fast-paced, and I traveled a lot, and it was very easy to kind of get sucked back into it. And I realized that I needed to be quiet. Mm. <laughs> and so I've been. I've had a couple months of being very quiet, and that's been very scary. Sure, (laughs) sure. And it's been very strange, and, like, the things that you think about and the things that, you know, you distract yourself with, and that's been part of the journey. And it's interesting having this experience of coming here and, like, rethinking about Quakerism and how I was raised. And, like, it is interesting, like, I forgot about, About the stillness and how much I crave stillness. Mm. And when I was thinking about that, I was like, oh, that's, I wonder if that's part of it. Is just as a young child, like I kind of learned about that stillness. And I think we all right now, there's just kind of been an insurgence of people that are just so overwhelmed by the constant influx of data and information and you know we all talk about like we have I, like I just had a friend that's like I think I have ADD like I just tested myself I was like honestly girl I think we all have ADD right now like yeah. society has ADD and I I feel like this year having you know we were recording this right after the new year a lot of people have been talking to me about their new year's resolutions and they're so simple they're like I want to cook I want to read <laughs> I want to do that. and it's like holy shit, that used to just be our hobbies, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think it is that need for to honor the quietness of life. And whatever that means to you it doesn't have to mean that you're quicker, or you believe in God or anything. But there's something to that time and that whatever you want to call it, meditation, anything of just not having that constant distraction that is I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's just well, it's important and it's what I've been craving. And so I decided uh, I did the I was doing the artist's way. Right which is on with another, another great book. If you haven't done it I, and you're looking for some answers, I really recommend it. But it forces you to write every day. And I hadn't done that in a long time where and almost every day I asked myself to quit my job. Wow, And I, so I decided to honor that and, you know, and, wow. and she talks a lot about God in that book and about that God wants you to be creative and wants you to succeed and doesn't want you to suffer. And it was nice to even just have someone writing, you know, in a book talking about God to me. Like that was that, like when I say like I miss, I it's just like that was like, oh, here's my, I, I was just feeling so devoid of any spirituality And so this time I'm hoping that, you know, it's like I'm reconnecting with myself. I'm reconnecting with the idea of spirituality and whatever that is. And just trying to understand what my next step is. That was very long winded.
0: Hey, man, (laughs) I love it when I don't have to do any work. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: Maybe you can edit it to sound a little more succinct. But No,
0: why would I want to? It was plenty. it uh, It was thoughtful. It was, I don't it It was someone who's been doing a lot of it's the words of someone who's doing a lot of deep reflection, and maybe it seems embarrassing to like hear yourself <laughs> talk a lot uh, about something like that for a moment. but um I feel like I would have questions sometimes as you were talking, and I feel like then you would kind of answer them you know i would you know, my questions were things like do you feel like you're turning more towards what you felt at one time you would have defined as God before? And you're saying, you're just kind of saying, well, the 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 feelings of what God was to me, I want those feelings. I don't feel particularly, again, I'm putting word, this is the, what I'm hearing from you, is that, that you don't want to, you don't feel the need to identify God in any, or locate God in any particular place. You don't need to go back to a meeting. You don't need to Go into any kind of. I mean, I googled it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've googled what?
1: I googled meetings near me.
0: Oh yeah, so you might is yeah, what you're I saying. Might. So I this might. is this is where I'm glad I mentioned this because I wasn't sure at first if you if this meant a process of you actually re-entering a formality of the of the religion, like a formality of this into your life again, or if you were just going to start imposing that on yourself, taking some of the lessons that you remembered or that you had learned from your childhood.
1: Yes and yes. okay. Uh, I, <laughs> well, I mean, look, it's
0: open. It's <laughs> yeah. an open place for you right now. It's... Yeah.
1: Uh, and like, you know, meetings could be anywhere. You know, like I've been trying to walk outside more and, you know, like hike. And I went to a sound bath the other weekend. How was that? Is, what? It was, was awesome. It? And that's kind of like a meeting, but with sound weird vibrations instead of <laughs> people. But it's speaking. Um. But it's just, once again, it's just an hour and a half of not silence, but not a lot of distraction and just being in your head and thinking your thoughts and feeling (laughs) the feels. So let me ask you
0: one, one final question. Having left, you know, the job and now two months into, two months into two or three three months into this period of reflection and quiet, um, what do you think you want? What do you, what is, what's coming to you? I mean, you said things like finish the novel and, you know, do this TV thing. But what is it, you know, is there a deeper thing that you're seeing coming to you? Articulating something that, you know, will just bring a certain kind of peaceful happiness that something is sustaining, a sustainable happiness in my day-to-day God, life. Be awesome. Yeah.
1: I, like yeah. don't is not what we all want. Yeah, I I I, I I don't know if and I'm asking money, something. <laughs>
0: I'm not sure if I'm asking something that is simplistic or if I'm if I if you have a if you have something that you can identify as as specific that I might not be able to kind of guess
1: at. Yeah, man. I don't know. I think my goal right now is to just be really happy where I am and to appreciate this time because this time is a gift that not everyone gets to have and I'm very grateful and aware that very privileged and you know sometimes you get in your own head too much and you worry about your own shit and you're like shut up you're still very blessed (laughs) Mm, and mm -hmm. like you're getting to pursue this thing you know i don't really need to talk about the projects i'm working on because they're not a thing yet sure yeah i'm not gonna
0: force you to do that
1: it's so cool that i've gotten you know like i i i what I've gotten to do so far, and and the people I've had, the conversations I've gotten to have, and the fact that I have time to come and have this conversation with you, I wouldn't yeah, have been man. able to. I'm you know, super
0: like, stoked about it. I'm I'm thrilled that you were in here. This was beautiful.
1: So I don't know what's gonna happen, and for the first time in my life, I'm trying to make that okay.
0: Okay, I have one last thing. You said you enjoyed talking about your father, mm-hmm. and that it helps keep him alive for you. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you that I didn't ask or a part of something about him that you wanted to say that's something that inspired you while we were talking that you didn't maybe go down that road or because we asked about some we talked about something else
1: my dad was very big about honor mm. and i think that's why i love hearing from people about what he did because and how much he helped them because i think that was really a big part for him and he he had a journey that took honor away from him for a while his, his work really there was a whole thing about that and it was so hard for him but I watched him kind of persevere and honestly I watched him go on a similar journey to what I'm doing now just not by choice mm. and I find myself doing a lot of the same things as he did like cooking and reading and you know reconnecting with people and your family and it I it's brought me closer to him and it's it's made me have even more compassion for him I I mean I always did I loved my father outrageously but I it's been an interesting journey to spend this time with him without him Mm. and i don't know if that's a i wish i could say something you know like oh he taught me this amazing oh no thing, that's really like,
0: beautiful right there that's great yeah i mean and that last statement is such a that really hits that's a really beautiful and obviously it's an aching there's an aching in that it really aches yeah i feel it i feel what you're saying you know? i
1: loved what one of your guests said about i didn't know this about the the, I'm gonna use the wrong words about the in the Jewish faith of like you mourn a parent for a year. Yeah, Kaddish. Yeah, I was like, you really. I mean, yes. I feel like it was. It wasn't until we hit the year mark that I felt like I wasn't going to sob at any moment. Mm. And you know, I'm an adult. I don't. You know, <laughs> it's like I don't need. My dad, I don't need him to survive, but I needed him, and Mm. I loved having him in my life, and I loved talking to him, and I looked up to him, and so it was really, it was really shitty to lose him. (laughs) It
0: sounds shitty. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, but that's, thank you for sharing about it. It's really beautiful, and it connects. Like you said, I appreciate you mentioning that was Hopper talking about that, but, you know and then it's interesting, like Charlie, I, you know, he was an episode as we were recording this, he's the episode that just came out and he talks about his feelings of understanding that he won't be integral in his children's life after he dies. And, and, and the struggle he's having with that right now, understanding that when he's gone, like that he's gone and that they'll miss him and they loved him and he loved them. But you know, this, the distance that comes created and I I enjoy having people come in here like you that share so openly about this mystery that happens between these worlds and it permeates all of us in that way.
1: And I think it's it's community too, you know, and I feel like right now in day-to-day life we forget about how important community is and mm. we think of it in different ways than we used to but the idea of like people walking him uh, you know down the block all together and yeah right just my one of my girlfriends right after my dad died she made me a little like gift bag of things like it was like and it was so thoughtful and it was just like here's some things I saw at Target that I thought you would mm-hmm. like you know and just it was so comforting um and I will say, I used to be scared when people had someone die, like to contact them too much or do it because you don't like want to bring it up because you think you're gonna make them sadder. But I, I'm here to tell you, hmm. it doesn't make it didn't make me sadder, and it certainly made me realize that talking about it can be much better than not talking about it and having people do nice things for you or do you know just even checking in. It, it means so much. And we shouldn't be as afraid of it, I think, as we are right now without, you know, not being in a formal religion and not being in a place where people make casseroles for each other. Mm. Like, I would just say, if you see someone going through whatever it is, like, bring it up, talk about it, do something nice for them, because it w- will mean even more. It will mean something to you, but it will mean even more to them. And And like, it sounds stupid and simple to say, but I just like, it really... Like the things I've cried, like the people that have affected, me, you know, it was, it was like, God, those raisins from Target. They made me cry, but they were so comforting.
0: <laughs> oh, Hallie, that's beautiful. Thanks.
1: <laughs> like, I don't I don't know. I just like, I, uh, yeah, call a friend.
0: <laughs> I think that's beautiful, Hallie. I think it's great. That's a good message. And it comes mm-hmm. from someone who's who's living other. it. Who's living it. Man. I said at the beginning, I said, hot damn. So one of the things I've been doing in this show is I've been going, hot damn, I love this show. (laughs) Hot damn, I love having these conversations. And I'm doing it again right now. (laughs) Hot damn. This was a good one. All right, Hallie, thanks. Thank you. And thank you all for listening.